Hello and welcome to the Mind Speaks podcast, where if we never speak our minds, we will never know what it is to have a voice that is heard. I am Robert D. Virgson, and I would like to speak my mind today about bias in the White House. This article was originally in part posted on Medium.com on March 12, 19. Bias in the White House Copyright January 17, 2020, revised for this podcast. In the recent events back in March of 2019 coming out of the White House regarding future budget demands by President Trump should worry many in our nation from every walk of life. On a campaign promise by Trump we have him reversing his strong stance on reducing our deficit. In fact, he increases his an original proposed build a wall budget of 5 billion now raised to nearly 9 billion, an increase of 4 billion dollars. It would appear that Trump in spite of not getting the initial 5 billion from the current budget is now punishing Congress by declaring a national emergency to build that wall. Declaring he will take money from already approved funds assigned other agencies and projects by redirecting those funds to build his wall. He didn't just ask for 5 billion, but made it clear he was now going to take 9 billion in total. His new budget proposal in March for the next round of budget demands on Congress shows us that he will also, to finance that wall, cut back on low-income subsidies, food stamp programs, and other funded programs designed to aid the disabled, seniors, and low-income families and individuals. A figure of as high as 90% cutbacks was proposed, so that the savings would be diverted to fund the wall, and other pet projects of Trump's administration. Is this what a sitting president of our nation should be creating? More opportunity for unrest? Or rather should our president be fostering better solutions to improve our social ills? There was a time in our presidential history, a president rose up from hardship to reach the highest office in our nation. Such leaders had a grasp of what it was like to come from that hardship. We have had presidents from middle-class backgrounds who have not forgotten the people, and we have had presidents from the wealthy sector of our society as well. All have done the job as best as they can, with hopes and dreams for this nation. Trump's comes from a stratosphere of wealth never before seen in politics, a background of wealth he was born into. Nothing wrong with being wealthy and privileged except when it creates a bias attitude toward those who are not from that stratosphere. The real bias comes out when the pogrom coming out of Trump's White House is against indigence, low-income, poverty-level members of society. Trump's wall is a pogrom to exterminate unwanted poverty-stricken indigents from coming to America to the land of the rich. Trump's new proposed budget was to slash low-income subsidies is to revert more money to enrich the rich while the poor get poorer. If he gets his wall built on the backs of these cutbacks, will he then shove these new indigents out of our nation as well? Does Trump see our nation as a land of the rich only, one where he will be the riches among the riches, and anyone with less than the pocket change in Trump pants must go? What happens when the Forbes 500 find themselves off the list because Trump can't abide by having anyone living in his stratosphere? I am reminded of a king, 
King Linus with his dream of owning all the gold in the world. Do I need to remind you what King Midas gained for his lust of wealth and power? He lost a loved one and then his own life. Though Midas is a myth of fairy tale. What Trump is doing to this nation can mean we could lose our democracy to civil unrest. It would appear that Trump has a problem with the concept of what low income and poverty means for millions of people in this nation. To reduce these subsidies and benefits that help many get by on a daily basis would increase the struggles, anxieties, and fears of those who find it hard enough to get by as it is. Trump's reasoning is that many of these people should be forced to work or lose the subsidies. In theory this could include those who are disabled. There is just one flaw with this concept. There is a great number of these low-income families and individuals receiving benefits from government programs who are working, but not receiving a living wage. If they were receiving a living wage, would they need the extra help? If those physically and mentally disabled were capable of work, and many are and do, yet still work without a living wage. Does Trump understand the numbers here and the root problems low-income families and individuals, seniors, and disabled face in the real world of work and our society? Without the following they could not rise above the low-income and poverty level defined by our government. Without a living wage a family or individual, senior, or disabled could not afford the rising cost of housing, thus why we need to have HUD Section 8 subsidies keeping up with demand for rents. There is a need to curb the rising rent cost in this country so that until a living wage is in place to meet these rising costs we would need effective rent controls or freezes to keep costs down when renting. This should also apply to utility costs, food cost, car insurance cost, and gas prices, so the current wage levels can meet the needs of current renters and those seeking rental housing. Is this practical? That can be debatable with both pros and cons. Without a health care programs, insurances and subsidies, low-income families or individuals could not afford the cost of health care, along with rental cost and its associated costs. To keep reinventing these subsidies and reducing benefits for Medicaid and Medicare, Obamacare and private health insurance only postpones the problems. Causing a roller coaster of anxiety and fear when from one year to the next, when new government administrations seek to scrap existing programs to put in their own version. Rather than improve on what exists they end up creating further frustration and setbacks for those programs that work for its recipients. Any direction taken in making improvements should always be an upward motion, and at a level that weeds out what has failed to produce the desired results and have replacements waiting to be implemented at the same time. Not, scrap the entirety of a program before there is a viable replacement waiting to be implemented. I repeat, a complete scrapping isn't the right solution nor is basing such action on political changes and ideology of a new administration in power. This sends a message of instability in our government when it is either a law, or congressional approved program. There must be security in knowing that not every four years or so, the White House and Congress can assure that a new program, subsidy, and aid program will have roots set down so that if changes are needed, 
they can't just scrap and start over, but must work toward solutions to keep that program alive and working better. Without these subsidies and programs that aid low income and the poor, without means to rent, eat, be healthy, there would be an increase in the rate of homelessness when low income housing subsidies ended, rent rates continue to climb faster than wage increases, related health issues climb due to lack of affordable health care and access, and lack of safety of shelter from the elements. There would also be increases in emotional mental health issues, such as suicide, addictions, and crime. More emotional and mentally disabled people would be put on the streets unable to work or comply to new work requirements as proposed by Trump for 2020. Without funds and subsidies that train and educate people to meet the growing demands of the technical fields and employers. Many would be unable to meet the needs of employers when they lack qualifications and pre-employment checks. Without updated technical education, good credit history, no criminal background, and landlord references, which have become a rising requirement for new hires in the last decades or so. Many are finding themselves on the streets along with those already homeless and jobless, affected by these increasing requirements. This trend of credit checks, background checks, and landlord references are being used as a psychological tool by employers and landlords alike to measure the risk involved in hiring and renting to new tenants. These tools are based on evidence that a good credit history indicates that a new hire will be to show up to work on time, do a good job, and is reliable. Lacking the stress, worry and problems a bad credit history would indicate. Is this really a realistic way to deal with social problems in our society? Being that the new hire is unable to be reliable, work on time, can't do a good job because they worry so much about their debts and money issues. The same is said of a new renter. When there is an issue of being homeless, and or evicted a credit history reflects much as to why there was an eviction. The same can be said of a criminal background check when it shows related issues with tenant abuse of property, drugs, and illegal activities in the home. For the new hire, poor housing history or lack of one, indicates no stability history references for the employer, or landlord. In association to being homeless, poor credit, and weak job history, we have by psychology studies showing a person unable to get to work, unable to want to work, and mental health issues surrounding why they are a risk. Employers and landlords alike are being told not to accept the risk from the get-go. Therefore an applicate for housing and employment based on a poor credit report alone denies them based on these studies of behavioral risks. But bad business to take a person with these risks. Are these studies biased, and creating more problems than good in our society? Health issues and addiction issues lead to being unable to pass employment physicals. Criminal background checks, negative credit history issues, and addictions are markers any employer and landlord check for to avoid the risks of getting burned. Which cost money for the employer, which leads to lower wages to absorb those losses, higher product cost and insurances. 
for the landlord it is higher rent cost, maintenance cost, and insurance cost they pass on to the next qualified renter. All because a group of psychologists did a study and claim there is risk in this kind of population. Real or not, these studies have failed to come up with a way to solve the risk. Instead they state the risk and tell employers and landlords to avoid the risk. Meanwhile the homeless population affected by these studies keep growing. Low wages create issues with being unable to meet the demands of financially sustaining a reasonable comfortable life, support a family, or yourself, support of physical, emotional, and mental health, gain educational and training for better jobs. This is why a living wage would put many on a better field of play in remaining a stable environment for their family, or an individual, and allow them to cope with the cost of rents, credit cards, food cost, home and auto insurance, auto costs, and the list goes on and on. We are living in an era where the psychological definition of poor credit history, criminal background, and poor work history defines one's character as positive or negative, worthy or untrustworthy, and not a risk or a risk. Being a risk is like being labeled you have communicable disease, no one wants to get. A landlord or employer relies heavily on these reports to determine the risk they should take or not take. Often easier for them to reject out of hand and to take a chance. Thus, leaving an individual homeless or jobless, compounding the problems they have trying to better themselves. Most of the program cuts in subsidies that Trump proposes for 2020 budget are programs that offer those remediations, education, and help getting out of a bad situation. Some would include cuts in subsidies and grants, that are already full shelter programs have available to them. They would also include mental health programs, and programs for addictions remediation. Without some remediation to get around these current trends of credit checks and the like, we will continue to have problems. What we would face with Trump's new budget plans would be an artificial creation of more problems with homelessness, mental health issues, and crimes associated to stress, anxiety, and mental health issues. Rather than improve the well-being of our low-income families and individuals, seniors, and disabled, Trump would be creating a true state of emergency in this nation, and rather than be a land of opportunity we would be the land of social unrest, rebellion, and strife beyond anything we could have faced up until now. The progress we have gained would be a backward step rather than a forward step. Is Trump undermining our freedom from want and fear so that he can have a greater sense of power and wealth over this nation? The following is an excerpt from an article found in shareamerica.gov by Stephen Kaufman, copyright 12-13-2016. That document traces its roots to a January 6, 1941, speech by U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt, in which he insisted that everyone was entitled to four freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want and freedom from fear. The first two are easily understood, but what about the other two freedoms? Mary Kalem Kirian, a human rights officer in the office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, 
said the Freedom From Want calls attention to issues of official corruption or certain groups being guaranteed more of their country's resources. Unfortunately, given the way the world works, there will always be people who have more and people who have less. But when we talk about freedom from want, what we really want to look for is if people are being held down and denied access to basic needs, she said. Freedom from fear means that no one should be in fear of their government, its armed forces, police who act undemocratically, or even their neighbors. It means you can go to bed at night and you can expect that your home will still be standing the following day. It also means that you can plan far enough ahead to plant crops for the next harvest, Kalem Kirian said. Pervasive fear can cut generations out of society through malnutrition or being unable to send children to school. Put another way, she added, lives lived in fear miss out on countless opportunities and can never recover those losses, even if peace is restored. To cut any percentage of the subsidies mentioned in Trump's latest budget requests for 2020, and to divert the funds from military, and other government programs to build a wall, would certainly fall under the depredation of our freedom of want and fear as Calum Kirian defines, and what President Franklin D. Roosevelt on January 6, 1941 said about the four freedoms we are entitled to. It is clear to me that we have a president who is biased toward an underprivileged class of people in this nation and desires to put them in further harm's way as he has, already shown in his pogrom of building a wall at our southern border with Mexico. He now is asking Congress to extend that pogrom to American citizens who are unfortunate to be born with less, and to take even more from them to enrich his own sense of wealth and power over them. There is no room for bias in the White House or our democracy. If Trump really wanted to help this nation, he could use his own wealth to build a better society based on the principles already set forth in our U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights. Which does not mean building a wall to keep out, in his own views and sadly Republicans at large, undesirables, indigent, poor, rather than give them the opportunity to show they can be contributors to our society and respect of our nation's laws. The same can be said of our low-income and homeless population born here in the United States, American citizens. There should be no definition of class in this nation either by law, wealth, or poverty. But rather by what is far older than this nation, and any nation on this earth. We are all human beings made from the same mold, deserve the same respect, trust, and opportunity to earn that respect and trust. There should be no pogrom that separates us from another based on government bias, elected official bias, bias of law, religious bias, employer bias, landlord bias, or personal bias. Yes, we have our civil rights, our legal rights, and the right as defined by Roosevelt, our Constitution, Bill of Rights, and the Supreme Court. Have you noticed that unless you have perfect credit, come born with wealth or earn that wealth, have no criminal background, mental health issues, and a higher education than most? Then being middle to low income, poor, homeless, and have bad credit, a criminal background, and mental health issues, you are a risk in this society, 
Therefore your rights are hereby negated until you can prove you are fit to live in the upper class of society. Is this the bias being taught in the White House by its current administrative leader? Stay tuned for future podcast on social and cultural issues, poetry from the Grey Ghost, that concern how we speak, think, and live. You can find my podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Spotify. You can also find me on medium.com, wordpress.com, Facebook, Twitter, unsplash.com, viewbug.com, photocrowd.com, just key in the search word Robert D. Virgson. May God bless you, wherever you may be. Thank you.